Welcome to Simple Kicking, the show by special teams for special teams. Simple Kicking provides football's latest special teams news, insights, and interviews with kickers, coaches, recruiters, and agents to give players the best chance of success on their career path. And now, your host, former Division I kicker for LSU and Rice University, James Harrison. Lonnie Paxton, LP. The only other LP of long snapper that I know in the NFL is LP Ladasur of the Dallas Cowboys. And this is a different podcast because this is with a not only one-time Super Bowl champion, but multiple Super Bowl champion Lonnie Paxton of the New England Patriots. Thank you for joining the Simple Kicking Show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. That was... uh... Nice intro. LP's a great guy, actually. He's uh, can't believe he's still playing. <laughs> I mean, so when you got into the league, was he in the league at the time? No, he came in a few years after me. <clears throat> but um, yeah, just in the various times playing, you know, my kickers used to always call me LP. And then, you know, when we all meet at the beginning of the, you know, like warm ups and stuff, he's like, wait, 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 I'm LP. And I'm like, well, it's just kind of a nickname, you know, and <clears throat> um, great guy. I mean, he's, it's obviously, that he's one of the best because he's stuck around the same team for, for really long. That's that is impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Because the NFL stands for not for long. Yeah. Until you F it up basically. (laughs) (laughs) So 12 players in the history of Sacramento state football have made it to the NFL. And we just touched on like, it's hard to stay in the NFL, but how do guys like you come from lower division schools and, and make it? and also have sustainable careers. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, you know, I, I grew up in Southern California and um, almost didn't go to college. I wasn't, you know, I was a fan of USC, UCLA, you know, and I always dreamed of going to those schools. And <clears throat> when, when the offers weren't coming, you know, I started to get down on myself, started to hang with the wrong crowd, um, you know, walk the fine line of, of doing the wrong thing versus just having too much free time on your hands and, and started to just get down the dumps. And Sac State came and said, you know, hey, you want to come take a trip up here? I was like, hell yeah, let's go. It was a free plane ticket. And we got there and there was 40 bucks, you know, to take me out and wine and dine me at a, at a Sizzlers or something like that. And, um, you know, I ended up getting hosted by one of my best friends and, and a guy that I keep in touch with weekly now. Um, and he got a shot in the league, ended up, um, uh, not making it due to injury, but, you know, going up to a small school like that, it was all about <clears throat> friends, football, being on your own. Um, we weren't very good. So it was like, you know, you gotta, you gotta work hard to, to, you know, keep your position and, um, and make a, make a name for yourself because the team was, was struggling. So, you know, I had a great group of, uh, offensive linemen that I always hung out with, uh, called the hammerheads and, and, um, you know, we, we got a tight end from San Diego who came up uh, via junior college. And those couple of those guys were getting looked at by scouts. And, you know, the, the, these big colleges, you get 100 scouts at a practice. We get one every two months, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, hey, that's a scout over there. That's the guy, <laughs> you know, you know, let's see if I can go do some push ups next to him or throw some balls around him or something. So he sees me. <clears throat> And, um, you know, that's where it started. And, and uh, it's, it's kind of a funny story. I could go on forever, but I got the chance and, and, and made the best of it. Were you a full grown hammerhead at the time? Or, I mean, you're a massive. Human I was. Being. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I when I got to college, I was 220 and I came home for, I think, Christmas break. My freshman year I was like 265. So, oh you know, gosh. hammerheads were just uh just pouring, you know, every cheap carbohydrate and, and protein and beer all, all down our necks. 
And were you a long, were you primarily a long snapper at Sac State, or were you also in the? Well, line? that's what got me there. But I, I started on offensive line um, my second year, um, so I didn't redshirt because they needed a snapper. And uh, you see the snapper over there just throwing wobblers back there, and I was like, that's that's who you got long snapping. And I was up taking a trip for a lineman, and they're like, why can you long snap? I was like, well, give me that ball. So I threw like eight heaters at the assistant coach and uh, and they literally stopped practice and like, hey, coach, John Volek, you got to come check this out. And he's like, show, show me what you just show him what you just showed me. <clears throat> and I threw a bunch, a couple strikes and he's like, you want to start uh, in the in the fall? So uh, so I didn't I didn't redshirt. I, I was able to get up there and, and get going. I mean, you went from Sac State as an O-lineman. You go back there, snap a couple lasers, a newfound absolute expertise. <laughs> right. I mean, well, I was doing it in high school as well, but, but you know, that's when you're just like, I'm playing offensive line, you're playing defense. It's like, Oh God, all right. It's fourth down. I got to snap right. and just run down there. You know, it wasn't like my job and uh, it ended up getting me to college and getting me, getting, getting me to the pros. So then, but what, what's that transition like? Okay. Sac state have a nice career. You go undrafted, you get a couple workouts. So how, how was that jumping off the high board and landing in the pool of the NFL waters? Well, again, <clears throat> you know, one of those crazy stories, um, you know, so that, that, that buddy of mine, uh, his name's John Osterhout. He's now the head coach at uh, American river junior college. Um, you know, there's one football floating around the, the town because the guy, a guy who was a year or two older than me was, was trying to catch on as a long snapper. He was a linebacker, but so he went into camp, I think with the Vikings and he went home with a ball. So he had an NFL ball <clears throat> and then come my senior year, I'm just snowboarding after, you know, I was actually, I used part of my scholarship check to buy a season pass at Sierra Tahoe, because if you go up there and snowboard and for every vertical feet, you go down and up that day, you get points towards food. So I was actually feeding myself and snowboarding <laughs> as part of my scholarship check. Um, so, and I'd come home and there's no, there's no, uh, <clears throat> cell phones and emails and stuff. It's, it's all answering machines. So I get home tired from the day, you know, and it's like, Hey, bring your football down tomorrow. There's going to be some scouts here. You got to work out. And, you know, one time it was Mike Tice. One time it was Steve Mariucci, <clears throat> excuse me. And they'd send everybody through the natural workout. You run the 40, do the bench test, uh, do some footwork drills and be done. And they'd be like, Hey, uh, you know, that guy can long snap over there. Hey, Paxton, pull out your ball, you know, get, let's throw some snaps. So John Osterhout and I, you know, because we're these, the hammerheads are all buddies. We'd always be barbecuing and, and, uh, and, and I had, we'd have this ball and I, I could play like a snap, like an aim game. We kind of called it. So, you know, Hey, see if you can uh, throw it through that tire or see if you can shoot a basket with it or see if you can throw it through the car door, you know? So I'm, I'm always kind of screwing around with, with this stuff. And uh, we built this little bond. So after the, after the workouts, you know, me and John, kind of my lucky charm, we get out there and he's like, Hey, Hey, throw, throw three of them, three of them right here. And then I pew, 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 throw them right there. He's hey, LP throw, throw two of them down here, like a low ball. And I'd throw them there and he's like, all right, enough. Give me five good ones. You know, I'd give him five, like just rockets. But then the, 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 I remember the Patriot scout or one of the scouts was like, Hey, do you have an agent? And I was like, no, do you know how to get one? <laughs> like, help me out here. <laughs> so we ended up getting an agent because the head coach, John Volk, his son, Billy Volk, who was a quarterback for a long time, we were coming out the same year. And so we got the same agent who wasn't even a player's agent. He was a real estate agent. So he basically just signed whatever contract was given to us. And, uh, but we got on a team, we got, we got a free plane flight and a, and a t-shirt. And so you are in Foxborough, you get on a flight, you're in Foxborough and it's early 2000. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the draft happened. My parents came up. Nothing was going to happen. There's no way I was going to get drafted. Um, and it was like a day after, or I can't remember if it was the day of and a few hours later or a couple days later, but I got that call. And just like Sac State, you know, they're the first ones to say, hey, you want to come up for a visit? Yep. I'm not, you want a scholarship? Yep. Like I ain't turning you down. And the first one to do that was the Patriots. So, you know, that the rest is history. And that history is what I want to talk about. This is Lonnie Paxton. He's a former long snapper for the New England Patriots for about 10 seasons. And then you played uh, for the, for the Denver Broncos. You now are on the most epic dynasty, probably in, in professional sports over the next decade. I mean, it was, it, I mean, the city in general, I mean, the city, you know, just title town in general. I mean, the Sox started winning, we were winning, the, the Celtics got one, the the Bruins got there a few times and didn't win till later. But, you know, that first half of, you know, 2000, 2010 um, was pretty good. But the year 2000, you know, was kind of a wash. It was Belichick. He was taking over a team from Pete Carroll. I think when we came back in 2001, there was like, I don't know. 30 guys left from the roster or 25 guys left from the previous roster. So it was all new faces, guys like Mike Frabel, Larry Izzo, drafted Matt Light. Um, you know, people came in from other teams and, and got rid of a lot of the old uh, Patriots. And that year was 9-11. That year, uh, Coach Dick Rabine died in training camp, who was the quarterback's coach. Then Drew Bledsoe gets hurt and Tom comes in. You know, the year we, we go play the Steelers, um, after the snowball and the Raiders, but there was no break after the Steeler game. It was just literally right to new Orleans and playing the greatest show on turf. And you know, it, it all happened so fast. You know, it's crazy. Speaking of happening fast, a lot of the listeners here that, you know, tune into the podcast were born in 2000. <laughs> what, what is happening to time? LP? I don't know. You're telling me, you're telling me I got four kids now. They're all under eight years old. And I feel like it was just yesterday. Me and my wife were taking random vacations and we were just dating. But that's what makes story time fun. You know, although time does happen quick, it makes it, it kind of ripens the story, right? You can't, yeah. no one likes to have wine that's brand new. It's got to be aged a little bit, that's right? right? That's right. That's <laughs> right. You know, so and, and, and being part of a Belichick regime, <clears throat> you don't have time for storytelling. You're always looking at, at the next game, the next play, the next snap. I mean, even in my career after football, I felt like I was getting fired every day. Like if I didn't have a good day that day or like I missed an email or, you know, a deal didn't go through, I feel like I could get fired. You know, I think that's helped me in my post career, but you didn't have time to embellish those stories because you're kind of living in it, you know? And I was like, I'll, I'll talk about this stuff, you know, when I'm retired for the second time and my kids want to watch three games to glory and, and, you know, watch the snowball and all that stuff. So John Carney was on last week's podcast and he talked about an epic onside kick story from a uh, Super Bowl with the Saints when they played the Colts uh, and, and involved Thomas Morstead. And you just talked about Belichick. You talked about, you know, future Hall of Famers and, and specialists that you've you've been homies with. These stories are ripe. Which one comes to mind from a from a kicking and snapping perspective? Maybe there's a punt. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many of them. There's, there's ones that you don't want your kids to know for sure. There's the fun ones. Um, you know, Vinatieri taking me under his wing as a rookie. I tried to, you know, we, he was taking me out. We stopped at a gas station. I was like, Hey, I'll put, I'll help put five bucks in for gas. And he's like, dude, I've played six years in the NFL. Like keep your freaking money. You know, <laughs> like I'm sitting there thinking I got to share a gas tank with the guy just to, just cause, cause he's, you know, lending me a ride. Um, 
you know, things like that. And then you got the the plays, some of the, the, the plays. I mean, we were playing in Denver. I was playing for the Patriots Monday Night Football in Denver. And we came back and it was fourth. It was the fourth quarter. I think it was under two minutes left. And we were down by, I think we were down by six points. And uh, was it six? We we're down by four points. So we're backed up punt and Belichick pulls me over to the side. He's like, Hey, throw this thing into the eighth row. And I was like, all right. So, you know, we've practiced this before. It's like a fast, it's a fast safety. You don't want to have, take the chance right. of having the punter catch it and drop it in the end zone or whatever. But so I did that cause I could snap at 35 yards. So I just freaking hucked it and it hits the goalposts, you know, and, uh, and you know, people think it's a live ball, but it had just hit the goalposts and everyone's like, Oh man, look how accurate the snapper is. He's, he's crazy. Pinpoint precision. He can hit it, hit the goalpost. And I was just trying to throw it into the eighth row. Like you said. Um, so we go down. So we, we, we punt for the, uh, for the safety and then the, the, the returner misjudges the ball. So now it goes over his head, rolls back to like the 10, we tackle him on the 15, make them punt, come down, score a touchdown to win the game on Monday night football. And, uh, you know, we get back and on Monday it was like, you know, we always got to go out and run, stretch the legs out. And, and, you know, we get out there and Bill's like, Paxton, let's see if you can do that again. <laughs> Just like, hit the goalpost and no one's running. I'm like, oh boy, pressure. So of course I chuck it, miss the goalpost and everyone's got a sprint. I was like, oh man, way to put me on the spot, Bill. <laughs> so were you nervous to hit when he said, go put it eight, eight uh, rows into the stands or were you less nervous than maybe one of your game winning snaps? <laughs> Just throw it as high and far as you possibly can. I think we're on like the two. So I, you don't even have to block anybody, you know, cause there's the situations where you want to hold the guys. Um, cause if they call a five yard, you know, if they call a holding penalty, then they do the play over and you, you burn that time. But then there's the fast safety where you want to actually take no time off the clock. And what easier way to do that than just like throw it out of bounds, you know, behind you. So this is Lonnie Paxton and he's coming up sharing some uh, epic stories. Some, some, some gold is, is about is being mined right now. Lonnie, do you feel it? <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. I'm uh, I'm, I'm coming at you hot. Uh, you and Tom Brady have uh, a couple of the same jewelry boxes, I believe. Got I got some, about half as many same. as he does, but yeah, yeah. But hey, you know, you're you, you share some you share some of the same jewelry, some of the hardware. Yeah, and a couple of those hardware, a couple of those rings wouldn't have been in his box nor yours without you doing your job. Well, yeah, I mean, it, complete team effort. I mean, I'm just a snapper, right? For me, it's eight and 15 yards every time. Don't don't throw it over their head. Don't dribble back during a field goal. Don't hold on a stupid, you know, uh, a play. Don't don't miss a block to get a punt blocked. Um, you know, I we took pride in it. You know, I had a good mojo with my, my punters all the time. You know, they'd save me a little bit. Um, Playing in the weather was extremely tough. I mean, I remember playing in Buffalo. It was like 35, 40 mile an hour gusts and it's snowing, you know, it's like snowing sideways. And to just throw a straight ball, you had to actually throw it outside his body. So it would come back into his, his hip and, you know, and it's just extremely tough conditions. So, you know, that's, that's what I think the Patriot way is, is like on the, when it's time for you to show up, show up. And there's those other times you just got to do your job and, and, and someone else will show up. But, you know, 
if, if one guy doesn't do it, then, uh, then nothing works. And it's so cliche, but it's something that's been ingrained in me. And, you know, I take pride. I took pride a lot in what I did. Um, and I, I got to watch some of the greatest athletes in the world do the best things, uh, you know, live their dreams too. And what did you learn from the greatest athletes? What'd you learn from, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's no names that we're dropping here unless you want to, but there was other players on the team that exuded the Patriot way out of their playbook. Which guys did you take plays from? There's a lot of them, you know, work hard when no one's looking, you know, if, if you're just doing it when someone's looking, you ain't doing it for the right reasons. You know, some of these guys in between, I remember like Rodney Harrison got in and, and junior sale got that, got here and, and, you know, guys would, you know, in between periods when it's not an offensive period, some of the offensive linemen are just kind of kicking around, you know, and then it goes back to the offense period. And, and you know, the, the second stringers come out, they go back in, they do their thing. But, you know, when Rodney got there, you know, him and Willie and, and Brewski and these guys teamed up. And like I said, junior, and they, they were running sprints in between their period, you know, to keep their legs flowing, keep their conditioning up. And it's like, you know, no one's telling them to do this stuff and they're just doing it. And then it, and it kind of like, it's spread. And then now you got the whole team doing a whole offense, whole defense specialists. Um, you know, it's like a lot of the, the stuff was, was, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. You know, we don't need to sit there in the media and tell you what we're going to do or what we think we, we did do, or we can do just show up on Sunday and we'll, we'll show you, you know, and it was, um, it's a lot of good messages that, that, you know, we didn't have the raw, raw guys. We didn't need it. You know, Bill Belichick definitely wasn't a raw, raw guy. He just, tell like it is you do these three things right this time we're gonna win you do two out of three we're not we'll be here monday and you see that you you can see those stats um and no one was safe in the film room so there was nowhere you could ever hide if you had a bad play whether it's tom teddy myself adam willie whoever even called out junior say in, a, in a, a team meeting it was like come on you can't do this you know kind of in this belichick voice uh -huh. but it, it even the playing field no one no one was a superstar inside the locker room um you know when you get outside that's when when you know the media and the fans you know pick up whoever they want to pick up beat down who they want to beat down but um in the locker room it was everyone was the same do your job yeah and your specialists you did your job your holder who was who was your favorite holder by the way to work with Gosh, I had two really good ones. You know, when I got there, Lee Johnson in 2000, he was like in his 17th season. And uh, I had never had a great holder in college. So seeing the way these guys could hold the ball and spin it, you know, and I didn't, I never practiced getting laces in college. You know, something I learned when I got there, um, I couldn't block very good on punts. You know, and they had me after practice one-on-one -on -one with a 200 pound linebacker, just either blowing me up or running around me. And I'd have to do it 30, 40, 50 times after practice one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but Ken Walter got there after, uh, after Lee Johnson and Ken was, he was like a ball boy for a Cleveland Browns and knew Belichick from back then. And, uh, they always liked lefties. So all my holders, punters were always a lefty and they always were, had a little quirk to them. So like Lee Johnson, he was a great holder. Uh, then I got Ken Walter, who was probably the best holder I'd seen ever. I mean, he could catch a snap one-handed and put it down and spin it with just his fingers. Um, wow. And then Josh Miller came in from Pittsburgh after, after Ken left, and he was – I mean, I put him right up there too. So, I mean, those – 
I'd never seen anyone like Lee, but then when I did see the best, I, I kind of knew that, that there was a difference there <clears throat> in little things that they do, you know, and whether they'd open up their hips a little bit more to make it more like a catching stance or, um, you know, give you a nice big target and pull their chest up and adjust to you. Like they worked with me to help get me laces. You know, every time I would put my feet in a certain area and hold it a certain way and we'd we'd work on it. We'd slow it down, watch the tape on it. And, you know, it became a science um, and it, they took pride in what they did. So it rubbed off on me. And you know, what's funny about the, the whole rubbing off. Like I, I was recently at a, a combine camp and the, the snappers are, there's, they're like the, I'm trying to figure out what the word is, but they're, they're almost like the regulators. You guys are so good at, at establishing rhythm, establishing a, a sense of calm, a sense of confidence that I know with Reed Ferguson, when I played with him at LSU, knowing that he was so rock solid and maybe that's what Adam felt. Maybe that's what Lee Johnson felt with you, that you really set the tone for the operation. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they trusted in me. And when things weren't right, they, they would see me working on it. It, It's not like I would just walk away from it, you know? Um, And we would talk about it and we would talk about the conditions and, and we would practice, you know, where he's going to, move the spot in or, you know, being able to make a split second decision is the ball one back or, or is it two up or, or, you know, and that determines where I put my feet and it determines where he, you know, Adam likes this little patch of grass versus Guskowski liked it, you know, in other ways. And, um, you know, and, and they knew that, you know, sometimes if I was having bad laces, they'd reach out and grab a little further. Or sure. if I was just, if I was, uh, you know, right on the money, then they kind of keep their hands kind of nice and, and bent for me. Um, but, but yeah, they were, they were professionals, you know, and I'd never really seen guys like that until I got to the league. But like, but although you're really good at your job, right? Like I think that trust manifests itself in other areas of being a long snapper, like on the sideline, did those guys ever tell you, Hey man, I'm just not feeling great. Or I just need your brother, like leaning on you. Like, cause that's a very stressful position, either being a punter or, or a kicker. How are you just like a, a friend? How, how did you help those guys in, in the ruts that we all go through? Yeah. I mean, uh, I was just a Southern California kid who didn't know any better, you know? So maybe my, I was just kind of, uh, like whatever, dude, let's, let's just, let's just, let's just make it happen. Like, let's forget about what happened today at practice. Let's get a, let's, let's fix it tomorrow. You know, I mean, I remember Lee Johnson had a bad game of punting and he, he, he had like six or seven kids, Mormon guy. And, uh, he went home and, he said he got back the next day. He said he punted like eight balls through his ceiling that night because he was just so frustrated and he, his drop was off and, and his wife confirmed it. Like, yeah, we have holes just like peppered all across our ceiling because he just got home and just was so mad, yes. you know? And yes. then, and then, uh, you got like Adam, you know, he, he would, he would figure it out. Like he, he wouldn't be in a rut for too long. He, he knew it was his steps or knew it was um, his timing um, or his hips were off or something. <clears throat> uh, but then, you know, on the punter, you know, those, there's a lot of movement that can happen when you go to drop that ball on a, you know, crosswind at Foxborough, um, the tip might drop or whatever. And, and, you know, they would, we would, we would talk about it a lot, you know, and, and they all have a, it's a good working relationship. There's no, you're not shooting each other down. Um, 
but looking back at it now that I am where I am, I have kickers call me and say, Hey, you want to, you want to call the snapper for, the, for this team or whatever? Like he's having a little bit of, he's, he's dealing with some things and, and maybe you can talk some sense into him or, or ask him a few questions that might trigger something. So it's, it's nice being a, you know, someone who's looked at like that. That is really cool. You're kind of big brother now. I guess I uncle? am. Yeah. Are you, are you uncle Lon? Do you think you're more of the uncle or the big brother? <laughs> I mean, I'm getting older, so, you know, I'm just, I, I guess I'm an older brother, you know? Yeah. It, it's it, with that advice. It, it's like, it's not so much what you say, but how you say it. Yeah. But it sounds like, you know, you're out there still having relationships with guys in the league. Yeah. I mean, I came down to, to John's, uh, thing and, and worked with a few guys down there if you guys were trying to snap in the league and and I've had you know Cardona call me or or um you know guys uh, from other teams Morgan um you know and just chat you know because I still kind of keep in touch with those guys and and you know Prater I mean when I got to Denver Prater was like he was everywhere man he 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 was just tough on himself. You know, he always tried to kick an 80 yard ball, um, regardless of the condition or situation. Then he'd go do 450 pound squats, you know, and it's just like, dude, you gotta, you gotta manage this stuff a little bit better and start looking at, you know, functional movements and, and, you know, think about your steps and your foot placement and your hips and, and, you know, get some rest at night and these types of things. And, um, you know, look where he's at today. I mean, he's, he's, he went to another team and he's been playing a long time. So it's that Southern California chill, that Southern California, like, hey, man, just let it go, brother. It's all good, bro. It's all good. It's all good, man. I mean, you got this <laughs> smile. I mean, if anybody, you got to follow Lonnie Paxton because you've got this infectious smile about you, brother. And like, I'm only meeting you on a, on a Zoom call right now. I mean, uh, we are socially distanced of, as far as we can possibly be. Well, I appreciate it. It's tough to f- find the smile these days with my my uh, my turkey goblet that I'm working on in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this has been this has been so fun. I know we got a couple more minutes left, but I, I have to ask you. I mean, you played in one of the most controversial games. I think you've called it the snowball uh, with, with the with the tuck rule, and within seconds, millions around the world assumed the game was over. Right? I mean, that's a fumble game's over he did and then yeah. i mean and then within minutes you're snapping for the game tying kick in a blizzard yeah i mean it's it's so crazy i mean um like i said southern california kid i had people at my house for that game my college buddy who was kind of my lucky charm um do that my old offensive line coach uh, my girlfriend at the time and and they're all you know they're they're crushing beers like uh at like noon and uh and, you know, the games later and I can't sit around on game day. I'm just like, I'm, I'm pacing. Like, I, you know, some guys will go to the mall or some guys will like go out to lunch. Like I was very like, let's just get there and let's just make it happen. Like I was at the game before anyone ever was. And they're like, why are you here so early and all taped up? And I was like, I don't know. That's just my, that's my mojo on game day. Just stay out of my way. Let me do my thing. Um <laughs> And, uh, and like I said, so they're, they're pinning it. And then, um, you know, they're like, dude, it's going to blizzard tonight. And I was like, well, you know, you better, better dress for it. He's like, hell no, man. We're going to be doing snow angels in the parking lot after you guys beat the Raiders. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So, you know, I get to the game and I, you know, I'm talking to a couple of other guys who they ended up being an active play players that game, but, um, they're like, yeah, dude, don't you guys, you know, your friends, I saw them in the parking lot and I was like, yeah, they said they're going to do 
there's snow, if we win, they're going to do snow angels in the parking lot. It's going to be crazy and, and yada, yada. So comes time for, you know, the tuck rule, thinking the game might potentially be over. Then they change the ruling. Then, you know, we, we go out there, it's 48 yard field goal in a blizzard. And, you know, I'm clearing my spot. Adam's got the lineman back there clearing his spot. But as I'm clearing my spot to lay the ball down, the D line of the Raiders are kicking snow back on the spot. So, you no know, I'm way. throwing a ball that had full on just ice in the, in the laces and, all these guys, you know, are just like kicking snow on me right before the, you know, cameras turn back on. And uh, I don't even think I saw the, the ball go through. It was so just whiteout conditions. <clears throat> and, but once he made that, I'm thinking in my head, all right, let's just get to overtime. And then we get down there and it's overtime. It's a, it's a chip shot. And I'm just thinking, I wonder if all my boys are going to be doing snow angels in the parking lot. <laughs> and it was like, screw it. I'm going to do one after. So as soon as I snapped it, I ran down to the snow angel in the, in the part, in the, in the end zone, you know, while everyone's celebrating, I'm sitting there just mugging up. And, and that's, it became like this thing. It was the last play in Foxborough stadium to this day. I have dads and moms and uncles and grandmas come up like, you're the guy they introduced me like, Hey, this is the snow angel guy. You know, and they, they like have the story of, well, for that game, I left early, but I heard the crowd. And so I get up on this rock pile across the street and I could see over or one guy's like, I was there with my, my father who passed away and it was his dying wish to like see the Patriots go to the Super Bowl. Like so many cool stories and, and memories that come from like that game. And, uh, it was, it was such a wild turn of events that, you know, of course it was an incomplete pass <laughs> you know, for forever. <laughs> I'm like, of course it was, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, like it was one of those experiences that, that will live on forever. The shrine there, and it's got this really cool, like, uh, piece of art. It's like a photo uh, that people can go take pictures by. And me and Ken Walter did a signing recently and shook hands in front of me. It's just like, like a cool memory that's just like going to be there forever. And it's like they say it's the actual place where the kick occurred. Um, they built a little shrine there, so pretty badass. That totally sounds like it. And you just like you epitomized having fun in your career. I mean, although you were a professional. <laughs> There was a straight boundary of like, look, I've got to chill and dissociate from this. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to do the snow angels. You would have been too rigid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had fun, man. I had fun. But I, I made a good choice by not actually living in the city of Boston. And I lived closer to the to uh, the stadium. So um, I don't know if I would have played that longer career if I lived in a, in a, in a fun town like that. Well, like Reed Ferguson said, you know, whenever you're on a team, you don't want them to cut you for anything other than on-field performance. Right. right. Like, cut me because I suck at snapping. Don't cut me because I'm a knucklehead. Right, yeah. And there's 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 plenty of opportunities out there. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, had a good circle, played with some really good veterans, and, uh, you know, you don't want to let those guys down either. So, last two questions here. How does a kicker or a punter make a long snapper like him? <laughs> Reed Reed Ferguson's answer was buy him food. <laughs> oh man, you know when I was a, a rookie, Adam befriended me. He liked me from that get go, and uh, and then I, you know kind of returned the favor as I became a you know a, a cornerstone of his career. You know helped he, he brought me to the Pro Bowl and and uh, got us nice things when when it was like snapper gifts. So you know. For me, it's just showing love any way I can and, and, and working my ass off for those guys. Yeah. And, and final question here. You're still in your, you're now in your NFL post retirement life. 
you're still showing love. You're still out there. Uh, from my research, it looks like you're doing something with Go- GoPro. Well, you got to research a little harder, buddy, because uh, GoPro laid me off uh, in April uh, due to COVID. But, you know, wow. for eight years, almost eight years, um, I traveled the world. I helped build that brand. I was part of a great team, learned some of the most amazing things about marketing and content creation, social media, um, you know, uh, production and everything. So um, it's actually been really uh I would say uh, a blessing in disguise because now I'm, I'm working for a couple brands, um, kind of consulting for three brands that are on rocket ships and, and they're really leaning on me for, you know, my, my professional sports expertise, but also helping build this brand uh, globally like GoPro. So, um, you know, it's um, 120 days ago, the world was ending and, and, and I, and I got cut, but you know, took my time, bounced back and, and it's uh, it's going to be better for me. Yeah, I, I got cut from my oil and gas job too. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, what am I doing? And I had this little simple kick. It was a little side gig, having fun. And now I go to another, you know, pivot. Here I am on a podcast with you. I mean, two weeks, two well, months ago, I didn't, even, I didn't know what a podcast was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's all good, man. I, it, things happen for a reason. And, and that's, it, that's exactly the reason, like you asked the question before, how do you get your kickers to like you? I think it's being authentic. I think it's, um, you know, going above and beyond when people ask you to do things and, and, you know, putting your best foot forward on anything uh, <clears throat> that may be asked of you. And, and I tried to do that at GoPro. And, and uh, as, I, as I was leaving there, you know, I had kind of people waiting to, uh, to, to say, Hey, you're a, you're a sought after free agent. So come help us out. That's so cool. Well, you've done Super Bowl media days and now you are on little simple kicking and I really appreciate it. This was super fun and maybe we'll do it again some other time. I like it, man. I, I appreciate you having me. You're the man. I really appreciate it. This is Lonnie Paxton, everybody <laughs> follow him at Lonnie Paxton with one N L O N I E Paxton, P-A-X-T-O-N on Instagram. Uh, that's where you're, you're mostly on. So Lonnie Paxton, everybody, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed the content, join the community by subscribing to the Simple Kicking channel below or drop a like and maybe a comment. It would be really cool to hear from you. Also, you'll find Simple Kicking on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and yes, even TikTok.